Hello, Joel here. I've got a new book out. It's called Be Funny or Die. How comedy works and why it matters. And it's about how comedy works and why it matters. Why human beings tell jokes and then what that tells us about being human beings. So if you're a human being and you enjoy laughing and then want to know what the hell's going on with that, it's probably a pretty good book to read. It's called Be Funny or Die. It's in shops. You can buy it. Cheese and Pickle. Hello, this is Comfort Blanket and I'm Joel Morris. I'm going to be talking to someone who makes cool stuff that I like. I'm going to talk to them about some warm stuff that they like. A book or a TV show or a record or a film that they find comforting and they return to again and again whenever they need to feel better. Um, we'll have a natter about it and see if we can work out just what is so magical about it and what makes them want to keep going back to it. This time I'm talking to the comedian and writer Mike Wozniak. You might know Mike off the telly from things like Taskmaster and Man Down or from his podcasts like the St Elwick's Neighbourhood Association newsletter and Three Bean Salad. Uh, Mike is a huge fan of Spike Milligan's groundbreaking 1950s radio programme The Goon Show. So we're going to talk about The Goon Show. This is the BBC Home Service. So you admit it then. Six months hard labour to be done in 12 monthly instalments. I shall appeal. Very well. Reese and Dale are five long twisted things with holes in the end. Next case. A mental picture of the goon chancellor. <laughs> what? Sentenced to half an hour a week on the electric wireless. To commence this week with Wings Over Dagenham. Hear that stirring music, folks. It was specially composed to give you a mental picture of an aeroplane carrying supplies to the besieged garrison at Fort Spon in 1902, one year before the invention of the aeroplane. Oh. This is very exciting. It's you've, good, isn't it? It feels good. You've, you've thrown down a particular comedy gauntlet Are this time pleased? around. I'm Are delighted. Good. I'm really, really happy with it. Because you've chosen to do The Goon Show. I have, yeah. The Go On Show. Yeah, exactly. Very exciting. Um, yeah, and, and normally people aren't particularly interested in talking to me about the, the Goon Show. I've got short <laughs> shrift, so this is... It is a this, private passion now. I don't, I've, I've definitely tried it on over the years, periodically. <laughs> I can even remember putting on in a, in a van on a road trip with a couple of university friends years ago, more than 20 years ago, and saying, guys, you've got to, you've got to listen it's to this. It's got to blow your minds. Yeah, yeah. And it, it didn't blow their minds. Well, they but, wanted Bill Hicks or something. They wanted Bill Hicks, and they turned it off within five seconds flat. Of and, needle, naddle, noodling. Exactly. It, was, it was too much for them. They weren't having it. So I'm, I'm excited. There's also a little bit of trepidation of uh, fear of killing the frog. Yes. I don't know. It's, it feels very important, the goon show. Yeah. And maybe, maybe the goon show has slipped into a position now where it is referred to Right. A lot as ah, oh, it's the wellspring of all British comedy. Right? Would you like to listen to any? No. <laughs> um, and it's sort of, so. I think that I think as far as analysis goes, I think what was exciting about this week was listening to it again. Yeah. Because I grew up with this. I was, mm. Did you? Is this a, a thing you had I as did, a child? I mean, that's why I'm, it was a very easy choice when you said in terms of a comfort blanket yeah. item. I did grow up with it, and and it, it it is just the thing that I've returned to regularly since childhood. There's nothing else. There's lo- there's loads of stuff I would revisit yeah. very happily. But this, by far, is the standout item that I've come come back to many times. And yeah, started listening when I was, I must have been seven or so, that kind of age, definitely primary school kid, small kid. Yeah. It's not, weirdly, The Goons, I think, is something, a lot of people, when they sort of talk about their foundational comedy influences, yeah. it'll be something they heard when they're about 12, 13. Yeah. 
And the goons was definitely a primary school thing for me. Yeah. And I think it's it's funny to little kids. Oh, definitely. It was yeah. It was it was a a staple of family car rides. And yeah. it was noticeable that my sister and I would be really enjoying it in the back. My mum and dad would also be enjoying it, even though they by then had heard all of this stuff a thousand oh. times. It's Moriarty. Where are you? Here, in the piano. <laughs> what the devil are you doing in there? I'm hiding. Don't be silly. Hayden's been dead for years. <laughs> So it's a comfort blanket in the sense that your your family are listening to it again and again and again. It's a repetitive thing. Yeah, there's definitely thing. a nostalgia element. That and as well, even once I got hooked after these car rides as a, as a small kid, and even occasionally I think as a teenager as well, it would be something I would turn to in the cold, dark nights. I would often, <laughs> having pretended to go to bed, would be tucked under the, the duvet and I'd put a goon on and that would be what I'd listen to as I went to sleep. Open up, Mr. Crun. It's me, Eccles. Oh, Eccles, it's me, Mr. Crun. Oh, Mr. Crun, it's me, Eccles. Yeah. There was a little sort of old Fisher Price cassette that was completely yeah. indestructible. I think it was our first cassette player that we got when we were about, you know, when we were tiny, tiny. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, I think it's still still working now, and I, it was small enough to bury, you know, next to my pillow, and I'd listen away, and you know. Tonight, the League of Burmese Trombonists present a bestseller play entitled The Terror of Bexhill-on-Sea, or The Dreaded Batter Pudding Hurler. Ditto. I consumed this not... It's obviously... The Goons is something that was on the radio in the 1950s, between 1951 and 1960. Yeah. So... I didn't hear it on the radio. We didn't have Radio 4. We didn't have comedy on the house. Mm. But we had the cassettes of the goons, which had been taped off LPs. Oh, really? And they were in cassette form. So basically, the goons were always on a cassette. And as a little kid, I had a cassette player, one of those little things you'd read. They had a little lamb in to to entertain your mum or cut up things off the television. (laughs) But that belonged to me. Like your Uh, Fisher-Price player belonged to me. So it was a way I could put on what I wanted when I wanted. Yeah. And one of those things that was in the house... I wasn't that interested in putting on my dad's country and western tapes or whatever. <laughs> but I would put on the goons and play it. Yeah. So you had instant access to it whenever you wanted to in a way that you probably wouldn't have had access to the television or access to oh, the record player. Yeah, television was a big sort of no-no. Television yeah. was like very, very restricted. You know, We watch what the family's watching or the parents' family watching. Watches, or there's certain times you can watch, certain times you don't watch, that kind of thing. But this was this was fine. This was fine any time. There's an and odd ownership of it. in the yeah. house as well. So if I was... It was fine. If they found you under the pressing, covers... Yeah, it was okay. There was, wasn't... Wasn't like studying problem. the Bible. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> it's a it was. What are you doing there? Was it's okay, revealed. I'm listening to Milligan, it's yeah. all fine. How dare you come here to my HQ with such a ridiculous... I tell you, Major Bloodlock, I must ask you to parade your men. Why? I'm looking for a criminal. You find your own. It took me years to get this lot. <laughs> I remember it being a thing that was, obviously, way after its era, yeah. was still current, and it was... My access to it was via the library. There were always loads of LPs of the Goon Show in the uh, okay. library. And that's where mine all came from. And I'm the same as you. It was, it was car journeys. I think ours were, I don't know what the starting point was. There were definitely some tapes. And I think over the years, periodically, if because they released them very in a very scatological fashion. Not they scatological, scattershot. Scattershot. They did do some scatological stuff, but not a lot. Just made your blood knock, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> a fateful year for England and elsewhere. The Germans had got win. Oh! <laughs> Finish. Oh, it ruined the gag. <laughs> so they released them in a very scanty fashion that where they'd be you'd be quite hard to find them in record shops or what have you, but then all of a sudden you'd be you'd be on a sort of family drive to, to Luton to see the Polish <laughs> end of the family. 
someone had needed pee, need to stop in a service station. Lo and behold, there's yeah. a, there's a box and there's oh we've not seen these episodes before, and you'd you know you'd have to buy it because you hadn't seen it somewhere else, and so this collection sort of grew. Where's the rough sailor song you sing, Seaman? Um, I'm singing this map. Um, all these brown parts are the land, and the blue bits with the little white lines. They are the seas. Oh, the green is where the forest is. Sherwood Forest is and I'm along. Do da, do da. The Sherwood Forest is I'm along. Do da, do da, do da. Do <laughs> it was really lovely. You sort of said, well, do the goons. They're always on BBC Extra. Uh, so I just went onto BBC Sounds and there were hundreds of them. There's loads now, yeah. So I just downloaded about 20 mm. and wandered around this week with them in my ears. Yeah. And I was not sure how I was going to respond to them after a yeah. I'd probably hadn't listened to a goon show in about 20 years. Uh-huh. And I was delighted. But it was very strange to suddenly go, oh, these belong to me. They still feel like they're mine. Yeah. Even though they're obviously not mine, they're not <laughs> yours. They're full yeah. of references to like Clement Attlee and, yeah. and, and, and uh, Sabrina and things. Sabrina that no one comes <laughs> up quite a lot. <laughs> no yeah. You see, they heard that Sabrina had fallen overboard. What? 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 what, what? Sabrina fall overboard? Poor little innocent photographer's muddle. I must get a life belt. <laughs> but as a kid, they, they felt like they belonged to me because they belonged to my childhood. Yeah. And it's really odd to feel sort of ownership of something which is so clearly not for you. Oh, completely. And, I, and, and as a kid, you, you didn't have to be. In my case, a seven-year-old in the 80s, you didn't, as that seven-year-old, have to have a firm grasp of... The Suez Crisis. Prime Minister's <laughs> in the 50s. Hello? Uh, 10 Downing Street here. <laughs> what had been happening in Hollywood during the yeah. preceding decade, and in the, you didn't have to know who Bridget Bardot was, you didn't have to know any of that stuff. No, no, it, it couldn't be him. Who would he want to throw a batter pudding at? Hello? Police, huh? This is Mr. Ratley. Someone's just thrown a batter pudding at me. Because those little like, jokes and ideas, those little satirical moments that they pepper it with, or the little sort of contemporary cultural reference, they would just glance by. It would just be a fleeting moment, and it was fine. It wasn't well, very often issue. you get, you get a, it's obviously recorded in front of a, an audience, and you get mm. a roar of recognition yeah. from the audience for any contemporary reference. Yeah. But then I think when I was about seven or eight, Life was like that anyway. I watched any television. It was full of references yeah. for the grown-ups. I wouldn't yeah. know what the hell they were talking yeah. about. You're very used to, as a kid, not understanding all the jokes. Yeah. And knowing that bit will be over soon and you can move on with the, with the decent yeah. stuff. When Bugs yeah. Bunny's doing a Peter Laurie impression, you go, I have no idea what this is, yeah. but it'll be over in a minute. And it'll be over in a minute and then, yeah, some Eccles will back a lorry into some scaffolding or <laughs> yeah. something and I'll, I'll something know where I, I am with that. Yeah. <laughs> There'll be a sound effect. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> Red bladder! You can't frighten me! Ow, you frighten me! Maybe one of the reasons that kids find this so accessible is it is a cartoon. Sound effects and the antics. Yeah, and which the I think is one of the things that was quite exciting about it at the time. I, I've, I've tried to look into this a bit. It's quite fiddly. But I don't know... I can't find much evidence that many other people were going at it that hard. No. I was trying to shake the BBC out of its apathy, you know. Knock, uh, knock sound effects were a knock on the door and trunch on gravel. That was it. And I tried to transform it. And I had to fight like mad, and people didn't like me for it. And I had to rage and bang and crash, and uh, I got it all right in the end, and it paid off, but it uh, drove me mad in the process. Pushing radio in a way that it can be pushed and making something that is just, this works on the radio. We can't, yeah. if we tried to film this, this would take the entire BBC yes. budget for the next decade just to film a single idea, a single joke. Whereas just the idea of, you know, Nelly Sugun inexplicably running at what is obviously 4,000 miles an hour <laughs> you know, to a different continent and then landing in a yeah. puddle of water. You can just do that. 
Hear that thrilling sound. British artillery shelling German chickens. Monty had struck. There's a great thing in, in one of them where, where a taxi draws up with the sound of bagpipes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And, and they, there's an explanation that this is to save money, they've replaced all the taxis with bagpipes. Yeah. <laughs> taxi! <laughs> it's also, I think, one of the things to realise about the Goons is it's at the birth of of radio comedy as, or even British comedy, sort of as we know it. It's, it's a really, yeah. really foundational point, which is that when on the I used to have the Goon Show scripts. When on the script it says grams, mm. that means a gramophone. As yeah. in all the sound effects yeah. used to either have to be a real set pair of coconuts being hit, hit yeah. together or some real water, or come off a record, a yeah. needle drop. And, it's, yeah. and there's, there's, obviously the guy at the back there's like Terminator X from Public yeah, Enemy. Yeah, yeah. He's dropping the needle very <laughs> accurately. And it's then he's got to turn off the work. needle. He's got to sort of move back to a little sand pit behind him yeah. with some chains in it or whatever it is. Or it's a, a gymnastic thing. Penny going in a cup. Yeah. And then there comes a point where they suddenly shift from records and grams like that to tape to record. Take yeah. at which point they can do all those speeding up and slowing down those layered things, yeah. even the radiophonics like Major Blood Knock's stomach, which is right. Dick yeah, Mills. Yeah. They can do all these effects that had never been done before because the technology has only arrived this year, yeah. And it's like it's it, they've been Milligan's been given a, a new toy set and he's inventing how to use it, it's joyous. Soon, all over England, reactors were set up and atomic furnaces were turning nude Welshmen into number eight touring companies of the Desert Song. Song, 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 ding, 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 ding. Oh, they've taken over. People talk about this as being unprecedented. Right. The only precedent is Warner Brothers and MGM in the cartoons. Popeye, one of his uh, adventures, came across this race of people who were like Stone Age men with huge forearms. That must be a goon from Goody Island, I guess. And they spoke in squiggles. And they were called goons. And I think it was Mike Benteen who suggested that would be the name for the show. It's got the pace and logic of a Popeye cartoon yeah. or, a, or a, a, yeah. a Merry Melody or something. Ah, cut the drop on you with my disintegrating pistol. And brother, when it disintegrates, it disintegrates. <laughs> well, what do you know? It's disintegrated. You touch one hair of that and splash you. The disintegrator ray gun will speak in my hand. Yay! Ah, the elastics come up the trigger. It's all energy, all sound, and all impossible. Yes, a reckless stream of ideas. <laughs> this is the BBC. Oh, oh dear, the cock's come out. Stop it before the BBC flows away. Don't panic, Polly. There's still all three gallons of BBC left. And it's chaotic as well. And they're not worried about it necessarily going right or wrong. That's one of the things yes. I really am so fond of with the goons and love love to this day in comedy. Generally speaking, there's, there's such a level of attack to it all and such yeah. energy. And they were recording, doing these things live and out it goes and things things might go wrong. You don't get the sense that anyone is ever saying, okay, I tell you what, let's, let's actually record this over the course of a couple of days, yeah. a full day. And then we'll we'll get this bit safe and we'll get that bit safe. We'll do, it's just what what go 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 and things go yeah. wrong. There's corpsing. Even if one of the sound effects is going to go wrong, it might be. It's quite hard to to tell. But that yeah. level of energy, you get yeah. carried away with it. What other show provides such original openings? <laughs> or if you disagree, such unoriginal openings? <laughs> okay, thank you, Jim. You see. <laughs> Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Yes, we need it, folks. Tonight it's going to be tough. You see? Oh, (laughs) nipped in the bud. We cover ourselves both. (laughs) 
You've been looking. Now then, you see, folks, we cover ourselves both ways. This doesn't make much sense anymore, but I'll carry on. You see? It, it's absolutely bottom lightning. It's, it, it's yeah. chaos. We cover ourselves both ways, but the wing gets into the side. Oh, naughty wing. <laughs> oh, I still carry on now. What, what you get the feeling of is that this is a... This is a release of pent-up energy. Yeah. And you could sort of get pretentious and say, this is post-war. Right. What happens? Yeah. All these people have been forced to go and do right. something absolutely unbearable and yeah. fight in the North Africa campaign. Yeah. And they're all ex-forces. They're all Enser guys. Yeah. I had to have it. I had to have World War II to make me find myself, you know. And they've got this pent-up energy that the military has tried to hold back. And then there's a photograph of the initial four-man lineup of the goon yeah. when Michael Benteen was in it. Yeah. And you look at it and go, what would that have looked like? To, <laughs> to, if you were a fan of the goons and you were, like say, 13, yeah. and you showed your mum and dad, I'm really into these guys. And they look like four <laughs> Frank Zappers. It's these enormous, like, sort of, they've got hair from about 30 years later. They look like these crazy... Yeah. But with suits yes. and, and sleeveless jumpers. Yeah. <laughs> there's this weird sort of, yeah, it's beatnik sort of hair explosions yeah. going. They've all got weird but beards. But with the available clothes of the 50s yeah. at the time. It's yeah. just, it's one of the craziest things. It looks like, so yeah, that looks like the heads have got mixed up with the bodies, like yeah. one of those card games. <laughs> but it's, you look at it and you go, what must this have looked and sounded like to the mums and dads who were used to sort of a polite well, That's what's often fascinated me because it was a hit. It wasn't yeah. as if they put this stuff out, which was bonkers and unlike stuff that had been before, and has the occasional little lascivious wink and has the occasional slightly satirical thing, but mostly it's just crackers. <laughs> but it's not as if it was f- fearsomely resisted. It's not as if, yeah. like, the Rolling Stones come along and there's people in one generation saying, we love this, and other yeah. people in the generation ahead saying, this is nonsense, this is just noise, and this is going to be bad for you, this is going to ruin your brain. I can't find, I've never found anywhere where anyone said that there was someone somewhere going, this is reprehensible, this is appalling. Because they've got, they've got, there's a feeling of them, there's, there's a couple that start off with, with them sort of having a fight with the censors, where sort of right. uh, uh, Henry and, and Minnie will be pretending yeah. to be the censors, and they'll be yeah. blue-penciling things and sending stuff off for approval. Well, I'd better hurry and get that word cleared by the BBC censorship department. Get up there! There he goes! Yeah. Which is later sort of borrowed for Monty Python, the idea right. that the suits upstairs don't quite like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's no sense that the public don't like it. And it's yeah. on the light programme. There's one radio right. station. Yeah. It's not like it's on BBC Two yeah. or BBC Four or ITV yeah. Two. It's on, it's on is, the entertainment network. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You turn the radio on, this comes on. And yeah, you're right. It's If you look at uh, the thing to, that people always talk about is its influence on Monty Python. Monty yeah. Python was a cult hit on BBC Two late night right. with a few people watching it yeah. who were really tuned in. This is a massive yeah, mainstream with smash. getting angry about them. Yeah, yeah. this is from time oh. to time. <laughs> <laughs> well, what was it to you though at that time? I mean, you know, what, what did you think you were creating? Well, we we were first of all against most of the established kind of humour that that um, was existing at the time. You know, the the the. the Hat turned up in the front of the, I say, I say, if anything happened to me, or the, the routine of gags thing. Uh, and probably because we couldn't tell jokes very well. I could never remember the endings. <laughs> it really appears, and it's the next wave of what's going to happen in comedy. Yeah. And everyone goes, yep, yeah, fine with that. This is great. <laughs> this is exactly what we wanted. It's uh, yeah, We've had no sugar for eight. It does feel like a, the breaking of rationing or right. something. That well, Let's go and gorge yeah. on something sort of like a big cake. Yeah, very much so. It's an, it's an audio feast. Like children. Been let out of school. That's the only way I can describe it. And, and we always, you could always hear in the background Peter giggling or me giggling or Spike giggling. Little private jokes sometimes. That's it. I mean, obviously Spike wrote a lot of them on, on his own and some with others like Eric yeah. Sykes, but, and he was under immense pressure doing it week in, week out. 
but a lot of the time, not a lot of worry has gone into necessarily uh, the plot being absolutely airtight. It's, it's, it's optional. <laughs> but they are kind of plot optional, aren't yeah, they? Yeah. Good morning, Major. God, it, it's Seacom playing a different part. Curse these small budget shows. <laughs> What's in that envelope? The next part of the plot and a messenger in the plain wrapper. So it is. Which they will openly take the mick out of at times and sometimes do different endings. Save the American 5th Cavalry! It saved us! That was happy ending number one. And now, are you all sitting comfortably? Here is happy ending number two. Tom. Oh, Tom, darling. <laughs> You're back. Yes, I, I brought him with me. There'll be some complete curveball out of nowhere. Or they'll stop. It makes any sense. They'll I mean, stop. I'll just apologise. What were you expecting? It to finish. Yeah. I, I, after a while, I started to get, I remembered them being tighter plotted than they are. And I think this is slightly distorted yeah. by the fact that as a kid, the two I knew really, really well were Tales of Men's Shirts and the Scarlet Capsule, which I had on right. a vinyl LP yeah, yeah. in the house. And they're from season nine or ten they're quite late right. and the plotting on those is pretty damn good and then i listened to some okay. early ones and went oh no th- this is something you did towards the end when you started getting interested in story they are very random very splashy it's and they're wild. talesman i'm trying to think of tale talesman shirts that's yes the exploding shirts yeah that's the one with they don't write maps like that anymore it's full of good right. jokes yeah, but, yeah. and the scarlet capsule is the quatermass parody so they're borrowing oh, okay. the plot of quatermass yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah but so they borrow plots they borrow sort of uh army serials yeah this is the bbc home service Big Brother is watching you. Oh, slightly <laughs> weird Robin Hood one as well. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that one. That's a bit peculiar. That one but, has a guest actor in it. It does sound really weird when someone else comes in because occasionally yeah. one of them would drop out. Peter Sellers would be filming Usually, or something. Yeah, or he'd pre- apparently he'd pretend to have laryngitis. <laughs> was his thing <laughs> to get he'd, off. He'd pretend if he if he couldn't be asked for some reason, for example, he's acquired a new lover. Yeah, yeah, he's very busy. He would he would phone in, and because he's obviously absolutely extraordinary with his voice yeah if anyone can do laryngitis peter sellers can do laryngitis yes, yes, no yes. one ever knew because it was so convincing down the phone Amazing. he sounds like he's got laryngitis but he's had laryngitis seven times this year so i don't know what, what's going on but that would be his that was his go-to so I think he's no replaced by sort of dick Emery a couple of times and graham stark right. does yeah, it yeah. any anyone of any one of his drinking buddies will turn right. up in in replacement for peter who would have been in the grafton arms at, yeah you know, at, at a loose end it's that little core so it's like the because the, the ben team the early couple of seasons with michael benton have been sort of almost totally lost so yeah. basically there are photographs of him and you go i bet he fitted brilliantly but yeah. he's off doing telly and messing about so it's, it's the three of them it's harry yeah. seacom spike milligan and peter sellers doing it and they're all X-Forces, mm-hmm. they all learned to do this yeah. in front of audiences, in front of rowdy army audiences, right. and then went on. And I think a lot of the meeting of them happened either, I think Sellers and Seeker meet at the windmill. They're, they're, right. they're, either, they're performing for rowdy, very often squaddies. Late night, club night. Drunk you know. things with strippers. Yeah. This, they've basically done the Hamburg Beatles years. Right, yeah. They're very good at dealing with rowdy audiences. And I suppose the way you deal with rowdy audiences is just by energy, just yeah. by just total attack. Yeah. And they're not caring if it goes wrong. Seize control. Yeah, it's they're, they're and if proper... a joke goes wrong, don't worry because there's another one in the next line. Yes, that packed a lot of the time. It often is, you know, the speed every of every other line. The, I the do is I'd, phenomenal. Because yeah, when you when you listen back to them, and especially I think when you used to listen to the tapes, them sometimes they take out the musical sequences and they right. would just be the comedy, and it feels incredibly dense. But weirdly, when you listen to them with the with the musical sequences back in, which I don't mind now, I quite like the rest. 
I always, yeah, I always, I always enjoyed. I think I quite like the music to begin yeah. with. I, th- I think I still do a bit. Oh, and what I, a rest and I agree. between the I jokes. Also don't, I don't mind there being a bit of a breath. Ying tong, idle I po. Very well then. Bugle Max Gallery, sound fall in the hard way. As you said, the plot is very light, mm. and the plot is usually borrowed from something else. It's yeah. usually like a, a Jack the Ripper. If it's, a, if it's a plot that really works, then yeah, it'll be yeah something like that. You know it. It's a, it's it's like a carry on plot. Yeah. It'll be and that's it's, half how I get away with it because yeah. you already know the plot, so you know where you are. So you're not going to get lost. You go. So when it stops to have some harmonica or some singing, yeah, you don't feel like when you come back you'll have lost where you are, right? And actually, it just feels like oh good, it's a sketch. The sketch is finished. Yeah. And then there'll be next sketch, and then there's the next sketch. It's, it's sketches strung together over a plot in the way that the Monty Python films are, and yeah. things, or Airplane is. It's a bunch of sketches along a line. And when the musical bits come in, this time was the first time I listened to it and thought, oh, actually, because it's all jazz. Yeah. Because they're all, I mean, Milligan's a trumpeter. That was his passion. That's what he would have wanted to Sellers do. is a if, drummer. If he got his first choice, that's what he would have done. Yeah, they're, they're all, and obviously, Seacombe's a singer. Um, Seacombe's voice. And I love Seacombe's oh, voice. Is, that, I mean, his speaking Canter. voice. I mean, it's sounding like it's as lovely, Nelly Seacombe. It? it sounds like it's like it's being sort of piped out of him under incredibly yeah. high pressure. <laughs> <laughs> He's being played like bagpipes. Yeah, small man There's under a tiny pressure. Aperture of, yeah. yeah. Thank you and right. At ease, man. It's. I, I think that's it. I, I suddenly was struck by the musicality of all of it. Jim Spriggs, a kind of strangulated voice that Spike used, pronounced Jim. He was a hello, Jim. Hello, Jim. What it was, Spike used to s- sort of pronounce these words in the ma- C, uh, in the key of C major. Hello, Jim. Hello, hello, hello. And I think I thought about it, and the way people talk about it, they go, "Oh, it's uh, it, it's jokes and ideas, and then there's some sound effects." And you go, "No, no, no, no! All of it is jazz. Yeah, all of it is music, even down to the scat, needle, naddle, new, and ying tong, right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's scat. Oh, listen, listen. Oh, There's no doubt about these rhythm scales, I mean. So everything is to a rhythm. So when it shifts into the jazz sequences, you go, this is the same. Yeah. It doesn't feel like it's a, it's a shift. It's a perfect fit. We catch the very next troop convoy to Algiers. And who better to drive us out of the country than Ray Ellington and his quartet? That old man river, he must know something, but don't say nothing. He keeps on rolling, keeps on rolling along. I don't think you can understand it unless you can understand that this has come out of sort of that era. There's a swingingness to it yeah, that, that it all possesses. Rations, all the rest of it. Yeah, everyone wants to go down the, the club and, and see some hot jazz. Yeah, this is hot jazz release, comedy. Though, it needs to feel like a proper release. It needs to feel like there's some chaotic energy. To but it. that chaotic energy is by people who are experts at it. They're really, really good. So it's got the same thing. It feels more like improvisational yeah. than it does chaotic. So it feels like you said. Okay, guys, uh, 20 minutes in the key of an Indian Army adventure story. Right. As if you said in B-flat. Yeah. And they go, right, we will now jazz, yeah. improvise over a very uh, splashy script with loads of room <laughs> yeah. for them to mess about. And you're right, Seacombe's voice is an instrument. It's like a clarinet or something. It's amazing. Hey! 
Meanwhile, HMS Boxer headed southwards to sunlit seas, where naught but the plaintive cry of the seagull and the soft lapping of the opalescent cobalt waters disturbed the hot, endless silence neath the still burning orb of the tropic sun. Have you quite done? Aye, aye, sir. <laughs> then left turn, quick. All of it is about sound and rhythm. Yeah. Peter um, Sellers, when I, I can't, I don't know how I would have been, but the first time I understood that it was just him. Yes. It would have been fairly early on, I think, because I think my, my parents would have told me, explained it. With, you know, with Milligan, the voices are amazingly different to, with respect to the man. I mean, I couldn't do it. The difference between, <laughs> you know, Moriarty and Eccles and... Yeah, yeah. You know, Mini Bannister. Bannister. They're hugely different, but there's as with as with most performers doing voices, you can always there's this little shred of spike that you can kind of tell. Yeah. There's a bed of spike beneath it, but with Sellers, it absolutely blew my mind. The difference between you know, why have you got Bloodnock and Blue Bottle and any of them? It's incredible. Every every element of his voice is shifted. Oh. Oh, the Spanish food. Oh. I like chips in brown gravy, Tilda Chan. These knees were hand-painted by Anna Gooney. I, I don't like people to think I'm just a cleaner, you see. I'm... <laughs> oh, Tom, darling. You silly, twisted boy. I keep thinking uh... about them as a, as a band, as in sort of you've got... Sellers was a, was a drummer, but weirdly in this, he's like a multi-instrumentalist. Yeah. Like, it's like they've got they've got a, a lovely singer, and they've got Seagoon, who's the, who's the yeah. lead line at the top of it. And then you've got a very sort of uh, expressive trumpeter. <laughs> From from Milligan, and then you've got in the back Prince. Got, yeah. <laughs> he's, playing, he's playing everything. It's and all he's... just lined up on a series of trestle tables. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, he's it's just a... moving from instrument to instrument. Another quilt of flips. They've been eating for seventeen hours now. Yes, 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 but they've nearly finished. I'm taking my gold plate. Don't worry, they'll be back in five minutes. And you say it's. 15 years since they stole the gold plate. Yes. Yeah, it's it's absolutely staggering. I With think incredible they, ease and speed sometimes, you know. Yeah, just, he can talk to himself and yeah. shift and you can't hear it. And it's it's this dazzling sort of because he's the youngest, I think, of them. And he basically Was he? he's this sort of wonderkind who's turned up and they'll go, This yeah. guy can do everything. Yeah. And then I suppose the, the tension within that group is that he's a dazzling star. Yeah. And a lot of the work is being done by men. Handsome and a bit of a heartthrob and you yeah. know. Well, of course, Charming. when he started out, he's a little fat lad. He invented that heartthrob. <laughs> okay. I remember watching The Lady Killers and going, you've got to remember he was the little fat lad off the radio. Oh. He's, he's basically playing, he oh, he, he invented himself as that sort of cavernous okay. heartthrob. When Sophia Loren was, was cast with him, he suddenly went, oh, ladies love me. And that drove him mad. You oh, can see it's the right. moment that his brain goes, snap. He's I a little see. fat Jewish lad. That's what he is originally. I didn't know this. Yeah. It's a, I just assumed he'd always been charming and handsome, and that was just, you know, no, I think, that's I think the way he came out of the I packet. If you read um, Roger Lewis's astonishing uh, Life and Death of Peter Sellers, that I've massive book, that's about a million pages. Okay. One of the few million page books I've read twice, because I enjoyed oh. it so much, and it's a, it's a savage and brilliant yeah. book. And at the end of it, you will hate Peter Sellers <laughs> okay. as much as Roger Lewis, the biographer of Peter Sellers, hates <laughs> <laughs> Peter Sellers. Um, are, the footnotes get bigger and bigger and oh, bigger no. uh, until eventually they take over. It's like a piece of... Uh, 18th century experimental fiction. It's like Tristram Shandy, but yeah. about Peter Sellers. It's a magnificent book, but it's it just you realise that, that that slowly, as he gets more and more famous, 
a monster is being fed. Oh, no. Um, but when he starts out, he's a, he's a, he was very, very self-conscious about his weight and things. But yeah. he was, which is why he's a clown. He was a, a, a impressionist and things. But he was okay. a very good drummer as well. He was known as sort of, yeah. compared to Gene Krupa and things, amazing. Oh, I didn't realise he was that good. Yeah, as I in they were was, all really good. He was handy. And even um, Larry Stevens, who co-wrote a yeah. lot of Milligan stuff, was his, used to be Milligan's manager and wrote a lot of the Goon Show scripts with him uh, and ended up working at Associated London Scripts with him is the guy who sort of wrangles a lot of stuff. And he was an amazing jazz pianist. Okay. So especially this whole team of people who've just got music yeah. pulsing through them. Yeah. And you can just hear it because it's just this. Yeah. None of them ever miss a beat. That's the amazing thing. They're all firing. So they're when, all listening to each other. Yeah, like a band. It's just yeah. beautiful to listen to. And they're to. all trying to make the other guy look good. Yeah. Know, which is sort of key in any kind of improv, Ooh. musical, comedy, whatever it is. That's If that's happening, then you've got a good team going on. As a person with a very deep voice, I'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns. But a deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. LinkedIn has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience. That's right. Over 70 million decision makers all in one place. All the big wigs and medium wigs. Also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about Wix. LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. You can hear in the audience that they know no matter how crazy it gets, it's going to land in a minute. Yeah. There's a trust from the audience that they know this is going to be good. They know there's all kinds of Easter eggs lined up. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, because there is, at some point, Blue Bottle will appear. At some point, <laughs> Eccles will appear. Yeah. At some point, you know, almost certainly Henry Crown and Minnie Bannister yeah. will appear. Who are two of my, I mean, they're all favourites in a way. There's something about those two, Henry Cron and many Bannister. That I'm well, it's also it's a, it's a that's a lovely so double act for Milligan and Sellers to do. They well, are they've just got wonderful. a double act. I'll have to take your trousers off. <laughs> no, not in front of a lady. Oh. I'll have to leave the room first. Oh, all right, God. Henry. All right. <laughs> He's gone. Now you can take them off. Okay, buddy. <laughs> now one. It's a strange little thing because the idea that there's a, an actual relationship going on rather than these <laughs> crazy characters who periodically collide into each other quite yeah. brutally. You've got these probably cohabiting people k- propping each other up, looking after each other, certainly. That lovely sequence in Butter Pudding Hurler where he describes what he's going to do when he gets Minnie home. Come, dear little Minnie. I'll take you home with me, Minnie. I'll give you a hot bath. Rub you down with the anti-vapor rub, put a plaster on your back, give your little feet a mustard bath, and then put you to bed. Do you know this woman? Do you know this woman? (laughs) (laughs) So happens that I have a Westminster library on me, and Dad, look! There I am inside, examining an occult dictionary. Oh, yes. Even says Minardo. Minardo. (laughs) Min, 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 min. Yes, 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 yes. 
it's funny when you talk about them you talk about them as characters and they are all characters in my head but yeah. in the same way probably as again they're like cartoon characters mm. they're very simple neatly drawn archetypes and things yeah they're parachuted in and they, they do their thing and you yeah. know what they, they're going to do well, it is. I've, I've made a pretentious note saying this is another one of those Commedia dell'arte things right. where, where you change the setting every week, yeah. but parachuting the same characters, but yeah, you've like got your, carry on. You've got your idiot, you know, your yeah. Eccles, who's, you know, and you've got well, a couple of different types of idiots, in yeah, fact. Yeah, and you've got a hero. It's a, yeah. Seekham will always play the hero. There's yeah. a dashing hero guy. There's always the old people. There's the military guy. There's the yeah. sinister villain and his yeah. sidekick. Henchman. They're all in there. And it's got that feeling of, I don't know, medieval theatre or, or sort of Shakespeare where basically you've got a, car, a rep company. Yeah. And you're just watching them. And you, you go, oh, I hope, I hope the, uh, the, little, the little guy turns up in a minute with yeah. the scout master's hat. We won't, we won't worry about the fact that he was killed in the last no. episode <laughs> no, no. Or, the, or 30 episodes before that. We're not going to worry about any of that. We're just going to enjoy it. What is that noise out there? <laughs> What is the structure of the Goon mm. Show? And it is just the characters. Mm. The only little supporting pillars that hold it together are those characters. Yeah. And periodically Wallace Greenslade or Neddy Seagoon will tell you a little bit of what's happening in the, yeah. in the supposed plot and they'll make that funny as well and you don't worry about it too much and then yeah. on with the next skit, whoever it may be. So maybe that's what's comforting about it is that the, the, the only thing that's required of you as an audience member is, is to understand the familiarity. Mm-hmm. You've got to know these guys. Yeah. And there's a bunch of those. There's, let's say there's, there's 10 characters you have to know, and you know what they're going to do. Yeah. So weirdly, it's got a sitcoms familiarity. You, mm. you know who these people are. There's, there's a little cast. So the plot doesn't matter. You can drop them in anywhere. And then on top of that, you've got three, hang on, six people. Yeah. Who are the cast. Right. Including Wallace Greenstone, yeah. uh, Max Goldray, and, and Ray Ellington. You're, all you have to understand is that there, there's a bunch of characters who you know, and a bunch of performers who are your friends. Mm-hmm. And they're just going to do silly stuff. Yeah. That's the only structure. And I think that friends thing, that's quite a good word to use. Because I think people, there's a lot of enjoyment to get off just of being part of the feeling like you're, you're included, I think. Yeah. With the goons. They're having the time of their life, but you feel like you're part of it. I yes. Think. It is a club, the isn't it? feels like they're, you can tell it's through the audience, the audience in that theatre, they, they don't feel excluded. It's even, even when they, well, especially even when they get the giggles or things go wrong. It doesn't feel like they're a sort of little clique that isn't going to allow anyone else to enjoy their fun and their special. And there's no archness about no. any of it. It's just complete joyous burst of comic energy to which you're all invited and you want to spend time with this gang. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that's what, when I started having daydreams about comedy, that's, I mean, that's how I hoped it would be. That's what I imagined it would be like. Love the idea of just, you find this gang, you find your gang and you play and you muck about and how did it go again that That was a good joke Um, that wasn't a joke it's called well people talk about that with i remember talking about with with podcasts Mm. the intimacy of that it's going into your ear and someone said well sometimes all you want to listen to is some people who like each other having a chat and that's a, that's a thing that hasn't been used that much for TV or radio for ages. Yeah, those are very, which those you can are, worry about as a podcast because you might think, "Well, hang on." I mean, because I, I three being talented with Henry and yeah. Ben, you know, the, Henry was the one who wanted to do that in the first place. And, you know, Ben and I were saying, "Oh, well, no, it's just you know, it's just self indulgent nonsense." <laughs> who wants to listen to that? And so I think the worry of any podcaster that it might 
that kind of thing, if it's just have a listen to our chat, is inherently self-indulgent. But actually, it turns out quite a few people do enjoy There's an intimacy to it. Enjoy that and do, you know. And then the, the listener does indeed become part of it. They become integral to the yeah. podcast or whatever it is, partly because you're aware they're there, partly because they write into you, and they're just part, part of the world that gets built. I think that's, yeah, it's got a lot in common with what people love about the, the goons. You just it does feel like you've been invited. Game. I mean, obviously, when it, the, the origins of the goons are, 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 are Jimmy Grafton, who was Peter Sellers' manager, yeah. just let them have the upstairs room of what was called Jimmy's or something. It's yeah. a, a, a pub. So we went down to this uh, pub, the uh, the Grafton Arms in Stratton Ground. I'd met up with the, the bloke who ran it called Jimmy Grafton, an ex-major. And by this time, um, I met Peter Sellers on a radio broadcast and realised there was another idiot. So he used to come to the come to the Graftons and, uh, you know, muck in with the rest of us. And now an incident that happened in the shop the other day. The man behind the counter and three young men rushed in to beat him. I'll be on a counter. Excuse me. <laughs> Could we have a cup of stand, please? I'm sorry, gentlemen. This is the recruiting office. Oh, so they were just in a pub, and it was the same origin there as, for, say, Vic and Bob, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, it's two mates asking about in yeah. a, in a pub venue. space. Yeah, here's a place you can go, and and we'll invite a small number of people in, and it becomes a, it becomes literally a cult. It's a cult comedy yeah. thing. The interesting thing about the goons is that that room then becomes the size of the parish theatre or the Shepherd's Bush Theatre or wherever this recorded. Yeah. It's a big room, and you can hear that big room. That cult yeah. is now getting to be like a like a cult, like a proper like a yeah. dangerous cult. They could, they could all drink the Kool Aid and cause trouble. It, it's, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But you still feel part of an intimate group, and maybe that's because it's being delivered to people's little radio sets in their homes, yeah. and they're like you under the cover listening yeah. to it. That there's a there is an intimacy to it that you're either in on the joke or not in on the joke, because of its origins in friends making each other laugh, yeah, which is all it is. And when you read Milligan's memoirs, how he met these people, it was uh, in the forces mucking about, making each other laugh yeah. in the face of death, and. It, there's, a, there's a real intimacy funny in saying people being we're attracted speaking to other funny people. Yeah, the gravity yeah. of that. Mm. So we, we were uh, iconoclastic. We, we were chopping away Authentic. at the feet of the old uh, established comedy, I suppose. Yeah. And, and because it was different, I think all the youngsters appreciated it. There's an intimacy to the way that people listen to it. Uh, Michael Palin talks about this, says that he was yeah. sort of like rushed to the, rush home from school to the radio to turn it on yeah. and, and, and put your ear against the speaker. I live for the show. I mean, that, the, the, the day of the week so when I had the Goon show kept me going for for the the entire week i mean we kept me going for six years <laughs> <laughs> but did you know via letters or any feedback at all there was this generation growing up who had been totally liberated by no the bbc by the show. kept the kept england secret from us totally <laughs> and it is a club it does feel like you've been invited to jimmy's yeah and and maybe that's what inspires people you're sort of saying that you heard this and went i want to do that yeah completely that was what that was what the, the daydream was initially of yeah for comedy. It wasn't necessarily about stand up or getting a job as a comedy actor or this or that. It was the idea of being with this little gang, making a thing, making a chaotic thing, <laughs> persuading other people to watch you arse about. Yeah, this matchet is too big for me. The wind. Is- Wait, there's another pair of legs sticking out at the bottom. Ah, who is that in there? Come out, Dora. Lord, 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 heckles. What are you doing in that matchet? Nothing, everything's marked, don't touch! <laughs> Antiques, you know. But how did you get in? That's what I wonder. I got a map of your leg! Come on out at once! A door of the matchet opened, and out stepped a street with a man in it. I say, what is all this noise? There's people in that nightshirt trying to sleep, you know. Yeah, it is an inspirational thing. Maybe the looseness of it 
especially with that fast turnover, which is just not something that really exists outside of you know podcasting necessarily. Yeah, now or stand up potentially, but if you're if you're trying to broadcast something on telly proper or radio proper, no one would no one would dare just say to a writer, "Could you just write this episode?" Yeah, and then uh, whatever you write is what I suppose we'll have to put out on Sunday. Yeah. I Pe- love that idea. People talk about this with... But it with, did with, destroy him, Yeah, with, with Milligan, <laughs> the dark spectre of this is that within... I thought Milligan's nervous breakdown might have happened like eight series, and it happens in season two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one we've not even got on tape. We yeah. don't even know what killed him. <laughs> but he do, they're doing 26 uh, effectively plots, yeah. sort of. 26 uh, half-hour episodes of this thing, mm-hmm. or 20-minute scripts. Incredibly draining on him. And probably the first time that I'd been done as a thing, because before that as a comedian, you'd have a tight 20 yeah. and just tour it round. Yeah. And this is now this new medium is saying we need stuff all the time. Yeah. Because this is the era where the, the that comedy writer is born. Brilliant 20 minutes, that's, that's done. As soon as you've recorded yeah. it, it's done, it's out. You've got, you yeah. read about that with, with the, say, Stan Laurel, that there are loads of Lauren and Hardy two-reelers that are based on routines that they were doing around Lancashire in the yeah. 1910s. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you take, oh, we've got the married couple sketch. Yeah. And you, that will be your one act. Yeah. And this is the birth of the comedy writer, the person who just will turn it out. It's got to keep going. Oh, yeah, and Milligan's there right at the beginning of that as an experimental donkey on that treadmill. Yeah. <laughs> he falls over immediately and then calls in two friends who sort of help him do a lot of the work, which is Larry Stevens and uh, Eric Sykes later yeah. on. Larry Stevens, I looked up and it's absolutely fascinating. He's dead at 35. Oh, really? Yeah, it's a really, uh, he was Milligan's... I don't think these two facts are related. Milligan's manager and yeah. drank heavily. Right. Okay. <laughs> I imagine just they go together. Where one <laughs> beginning and the other end? But yeah, um, and so basically worked with Milligan and le- legendarily people said you watch them and Milligan would sit, uh, come up with ideas like a fountain yeah. and never know which one to pick yeah. and never know which one would be, uh, would be paralysed by the, the comic choices because you could uh, do anything. Okay. And uh, Stevens would just go, that one, and be very, very good at, f- at funneling it into plot stories oh, really? and organising his thoughts. And I think it probably doesn't get enough credit for yeah. what you can hear on the goons is that someone, I imagine Peter Eaton, Pat Dixon, the producers, yeah. and Larry Stevens and Eric Sykes are just saying to Milligan, There's been a bit of curation somewhere. He's been looked after. Yeah. And I think the myth of him being under that much pressure ignores the fact that he did have help. Yeah. And that that help has produced stuff that we can still listen to today and still yeah. think is, it wasn't just a scream. <laughs> I had four mental breakdowns. Perhaps it made the writing funnier. Because <laughs> there's very few people who like that. I mean, even in comedy, there's very people who have that, that density of thoughts and ideas where it's just a constant, relentless stream of ideas of all kinds, surreal ideas, puns. Yeah. Some of them are straightforward. I, I quite like the straightforward ideas. And they'll do a straightforward idea that would have been on any other kind of radio yeah. comedy show. And then one of them will mock it. Yeah. Or they'll go, that didn't go well. Yeah. There's some lovely moments where, where Milligan just turns to the camera and goes, oh, rather confusing, isn't it? Yeah. it just says, as, if, as if to say, look, I wrote this quite yeah. quickly. It might not make sense. That pressure of turning out one every week means that the idea's machine gun has to be constantly cranking. Yeah. Which means that some ideas fail. It's all rather confusing, really. Sometimes it's ideas that he's very fond of. Yeah. The ideas that he's most fond of, which you've, everyone has seen who's been in yeah. comedy at all. You <laughs> How know, the dare you not exactly laugh? This is my, there were a couple that of, killed him Kettering, or whatever yeah. it is, you know. <laughs> What's the, wrong with you? The Blame the audience. comedian. Yeah. That's really encouraging to listen to. When you're younger and you'll want to get into something like music or, yeah. uh, or comedy or film or something, sometimes it's really inspirational to watch something that isn't absolutely perfect. 
that if you only watch yeah. something, if you only watch that sketch that Stan Laurel had toured around for 20, yeah. if you only watch the Andre Previn sketch by Morgan Wise, you might never yeah. dare to become a comedy writer. it's got to be that good or it's, there's, no, there's no point. I'm wasting everyone's time. If that doesn't come out immediately, yeah. because that's the way it's presented, is that this is just, this yeah. is what, this is how... This is how comedy works. It's just, the standard is this high. This has come out. We'll just knock this up. We're just having a bit of fun here. And this is, but this is, this is what we came and, you know, yeah. never mind the hours and years that have gone into and it's crafting got, that little The energy of this is, is, is something that's akin to, I was thinking, it's akin to skiffle. Right. No, I just was saying, well, anyone can do it. I think because sometimes it goes wrong. And you, you know that <laughs> the Beatles are massive Goons fans. There's a real sort of punky have a go. Yeah. And if you fall on your ass, there'll be another joke along in a minute and your mate yeah. will pick you up and we're all up here together. We've got a solidity. The gang's solid. They are a little band. Yeah. And it's incredibly inspirational to watch some people bash out three chord comedy like this. I'd like to sing for you. reasons I return to it as a comfort blanket, but professionally, that's that's definitely the the thing that draws me back. But well, the fact it keeps going wrong, <laughs> yeah, completely. I mean, especially I, I genuinely, if I'm if I'm a bit stuck and blocked, struggling to write whatever it might be, I will often turn to Milligan, really? and often that's in the form of the Goons. I mean, I do a lot of miles, so it might be that I'll listen to a Goons or one of his memoirs because there's often so much scrappiness to them. Not because you're sort of looking for ideas necessarily, but because particularly with the goons, it can embolden you to sort of just or just get it out, just have a go, stop editing before you anything's yeah. down on on the page. And of course, there is, as we talked about, there's curation, there's editing going on, but there's there's work. Of course, there's an yes. enormous amount of work, but for that first impact as a listener, particularly as a listener who makes comedy, it can just make you think, okay, 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 fine, fine. Spike it up, just churn it out, go, 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 don't yeah, worry yeah. about it, let it happen. Be if bold. It goes wrong, yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, creaking in every joint, the well turned knees of the goon show. Yes! And it's 842 on the hit parade! <laughs> There's a feeling with this, how, how wrong can it go? Mm. If you get to the end of a goon show and, and it ends with Wallace Grinstead going, well, the, the, there are like whole episodes that end slightly flatly. There's, there's some, the, they, the they, silence of the audience they is don't necessarily, They certainly don't end on their biggest gag. We've no time to lose. We must save Echoes from a death worse than fate. Yes, we must save Echoes. Ah, but they never did. Oh, dear, dear, dear. <laughs> to think you poor people came all this way just for that. Little, 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 um... <laughs> Where are the payoffs of yesteryear, you know? <laughs> and the audience just goes completely silent. And then the, the end music starts. And yeah. you go, oh, you could have decided they did. Yeah. And then there might have been a cheer. Yeah. But there's a kind of, it runs out of road. They're always doing that. And they don't care. Because mm-hmm. all he's thinking of, you can really feel the sense of going, oh, I've got to finish that one. Pull it out of the typewriter. Yeah. I, I, I finished. Thank God and I it may finished. Be that, that ending made him chuckle, or it made yeah. one. But he read yeah. it to sellers and it made him chuckle, or, and, that, and that might be enough. Yeah. Or he thinks, sod it, I'm writing so many episodes of stuff. Why should all of them have a happy ending or a funny ending? Yeah. Or why can't it be an ending I find funny but that's really weird? Sod it. Or well, sets himself a deliberately low standard so he doesn't have to hit it again next right. week. Sort of <laughs> Make sure the audience are ready to be disappointed. It's got that the the relentlessness of it. The doing twenty six episodes of this yeah. at that speed under that pressure, which is always regarded as the dark side, the thing that kills the goons. Yeah. 
probably is the thing that brings that many random ideas to the surface yeah. because under that pressure you'll take risks because you have to yeah those crazy ideas that he's firing out at Sykes or whoever it might be yeah. a lot of those you know there's going to be weeks where we're just going to have to just jam pack this episode with a lot of those yeah ideas you know and include an advert where you are pretending that the BBC is selling the first broadcast of a piece of knotted string for example <laughs> That's a good one. This is the BBC. After the news, there'll be a talk on early Christian plastic knees and the first broadcast of a piece of knotted string. If you would like a piece of knotted string, send three rust-proof shillings to Honest Wild Green State of Weybridge. Tom. That generosity, which is just because you've got a gun to your head, you've got a yeah. deadline gun, the, the theatre is booked. Sellers has finally said he's available and doesn't have laryngitis. Yeah. You've got a tiny window <laughs> to record this. You're delivering that time. That speed is very conducive to coming up with new stuff. What it hasn't got about it, which I think can be very discouraging as a writer or a performer, is, is, is a sense of perfection. Yeah. Um, and the thing that we all have to do now, which is give in draft four, draft five, draft six, and yeah, uh, just, it's going, it's going just, for the, and just call it draft one on the yeah on the front yeah. sheet, yeah. and then it, then it goes in for oh we're going for a third set of rounds and some more notes and, some more yeah. notes. and it's the opposite of that there isn't time to do that and I know I certainly know creators who deliberately create chaos around their work so that right. they can give in stuff at the last minute to give it that Milligan esque energy so yeah. it doesn't get overthought by the executives and by uh-huh. the producers. It's a way of saying well at least you got something. Yeah, and it reminds me of say the way that Douglas Adams used to deliver scripts under the toilet door, to, um, like a, a page at a time, and it's yeah. a, it's kind of a way of maintaining control of your work. Yeah, saying you get this or you get nothing. Yeah, and it's it's I think it's it's not deliberate, but I think one of the things that's appealing about this is that feeling of going this was broadcast, so that's very liberating. You go well, you can't say I can't do anything because the Goons was very successful. Yeah, it's been out. In. Stop wallpapering my trousers while I'm straining with the trowel. You forget the, the 50s have got these two things in it, the incredible stiff suit and tiness yeah. and beatnik jazz. A lot of people are fundamentally sort of socially a bit conservative, but equally feeling a bit cheesed off by the whole establishment yeah. because they've actually, you know, they spent their, their 20s at war or their childhood was ruined because of a war or whatever yeah. it might be, you know. It's a post-traumatic response of saying, you know this is all mad. The idea of the goons as part of like a tradition of English nonsense going from sort of Edward Lear and, um, yeah. and and Lewis Carroll, which you can read in Milligan's poetry and yeah, his little drawings, yeah, yeah. feels like, oh, he's a, that's a direct thing. So if yeah. you're talking about precedents for this yeah, yeah. I mean, There sources that have inspired him, for sure. The Mad Hatter's Tea Party, we won't get worse than that. Chaos. I love the dormice being constantly dipped into this teapot to make a cup of tea. And I sort of kept reading that because it gave me a buzz. That's a rebellion against the uprightness and the sort of the steadfastness and the certainties of empire. There's yeah. that push against, and that's feeling. You're, you're, this is all over the Suez crisis, where those people who were supposed to be in charge and very, very unquestionable yeah. are starting to look pretty stupid. Yeah, and so you've got people who were cheeking their officers in the army. Empire starts to crumble, but also it's in it's a it's sort of pushing against the trend of the time in the fifties movies because yeah. they, they they do. Ha- a hell of a lot of World War Two stuff. Yes. Very understandably. Yeah, yeah. But even you compare Bat- that to... Even the Batter Pudding Hurler is right. a World War Two yeah, story. Yeah, it's, so. it's a story of the blackout. Yeah. Well, it has one of my favourite jokes in the entirety of the goons. It opens with uh, Henry Crown and Minnie Bannister. You know, which Everyone's happy. It's a top star, you know. Slow fade in. Sea goons there. And then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. One of the first things that happens 
is that they're talking about they need a light to see what's gone on, what's yeah. happened to Minnie. What's happened to her? It, it is much too dark to see. You know, they're worried about lighting a match. Only 28 miles across the channel, the Germans are watching this coast. That's yeah, too far away, light a match. The next thing that happens, which I absolutely love, is... Just by chance, I happen to have on me a box of German matches. Perfect logic. <laughs> they won't dare fire at their own matches. Of course not. What's <laughs> happening in cinema at the time, if there's a war story, yeah, yeah. it's, we did it, aren't yeah. we great, brilliant, look at these, these you know, this, this triumph against adversity, this small team of commandos did this, or yeah. this group of pilots did that, and it's still very much, you know, they're brilliant. There's loads of amazing movies that came out of that, but it's... On the whole, there's a lot of kind of celebration of a yeah. British way of doing things, a proper way of doing things, and of, of empire and queen and country, whereas this just thumbs its nose at all of that. There's no military officer that is treated with respect. Yeah. There's a complete lack of British exceptionalism in it. Yeah. That if you depict a British uh, soldier, they're an idiot with, yeah. the, with a boot on their head. Yeah, if they're or an if, officer, they're an utter coward and probably the, corrupt as well. The first thing that happens is you hear the, the, the running of boots away from yeah. danger to the furthest yeah. distance Blood you can do. first sound, yeah. If it comes out of his mouth, there's normally a sort of exasperated scream. Now forward, silly old sellers. Try this Elstree film-type military hat. Is this the hat of the book? The very one worn by John Mills and Richard Attenborough when they were ice cold in a sea of sand with the man upstairs and Alex. <laughs> Oh, Jim, we're going to do a film, Jim. Yes, lights, cameras, knees, teeth, corsets, action. There's a lovely sense of admitting we're shit. Yeah. Which is, you're right, completely counter to the the sort of the the flag waving of yeah. the coronation and the the movies, the John Mills movies at the yeah. time, saying that we were heroic and exceptional. They don't do a Dan Buster's parody, but if they did, it would be about how Neddy it's, himself would be fired, skimmed across the water <laughs> into the dam. It, it writes it? itself. Yeah. Actually, that's another demonstration of what I think. One of the things that inspired me listening to this as a kid was thinking I could probably do this. Yeah. Which obviously is cheating because what I'd be doing is writing fan fiction, as in someone had already done yeah. it. But I could borrow those characters. Yeah. I could borrow the fact there'd be someone with a high pitched voice, there'd be yeah. someone with a low voice, there'd yeah. be sort of a little at some fat point, man. someone falls in the water. Yeah. yeah. You could borrow those things. And did you have the Goon Show scripts as a kid? I, I did, yeah. Book. I had two books of scripts. That was the first time I'd seen a script. It's so exciting. I still have them to this day. It's brilliant. Yeah. I think I looked at it and went, oh, that's how it's done. It was like seeing round the back of a theatre all the pulleys and yeah. ropes and going, oh, you could probably work here. Yeah, and even the introduction to the first one, I think, is by Spike, whose introduction is something along the lines of, they've asked me to write an introduction to this. I don't particularly know why. And I think he then starts talking about an injury he got on his knee earlier in the day. <laughs> and I'd never seen anything like that. In a, what is, yeah. What's going on here? And he'd written all sorts of crazy biographies. Someone clearly yes. told him... You need, you're going to need some biogs for these characters. What do you mean? Why? They just they are what you've heard. Yeah. I don't know. They're just <laughs> this. <laughs> and But he has done. And that's clearly just, it's been another sort of stream of consciousness, just blah, 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 and out, it, out it's come. That's a marvellous description there, Peter, to Arthur, of the characters. Yeah, there's one that especially, I, my, one of my favourite Spike's uh, description of Echoes, the original goon. Born, oh, let's take the old bins up here. Born 1863, only child of Ethel Cox, virgin. <laughs> Spends his days walking around saying, hello, duh, to anyone who will listen. He's occasionally used by Metropolitan Police for target practice. Was once painted by Augustus John from head to foot with whitewash. Was the personal friend of a brewer's dray. <laughs> Was Home Secretary for three days until printing error was discovered. 
Lives near 29 Scrut Lane, Ballam. Clubs, none. Recreations, walking around saying, hello, Dad, do anyone want to listen? That's a brilliant point. Those little biographies, there's potted biographies of Blue Bottle and, yeah. and Blood Knock and Eccles. Nowadays, what you do is you'd write those first. Yeah. And then you'd go off with those really well-known characters that yeah. you knew inside out, and then you'd start writing yeah, stories hey, this about is them. What, this is what this person's And then you show that. The, 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 the series Bible would yeah, go off she's to had the, it tough. She grew up tough, but yeah. she's still got a kind heart. She's really close to her sister, And this is the other she, way around. Yeah. As in, there's some silly voices we can yeah. do. After we've done 38 episodes of this, you'll know who Radio Blood Knock is. <laughs> and then when it comes to publishing the scripts in the 1970s, yeah. I'll tell you who Eccles is. <laughs> and that sort of, that they're like sculpting with gas. Is that yeah. their, their ephemerality, the fact they've not nailed down. And yet, the only structure in these things is me knowing exactly what Eccles and Blue Bottle yeah, and, and how they will and, respond and yeah, what their function is. But they've never been written is. down. They exist purely in Milligan's mind. Yeah. They don't exist on the page because it's a one-man thing. He hasn't had to have get a. He should have got a writer's room together because he would have not <laughs> had a nervous breakdown. He's not had to explain himself to anybody. Yeah. The only explanation that Milligan has for his world is through this show. Yeah. And, and he certainly hasn't it. had to explain himself to someone who's been on some kind of you know save the cat writing course. No. Shelled out. You know, <laughs> All the cats grand, are dead. Exactly, no yeah. cat is saved in the making of the goons. Yeah. No one's trying to impose the take-home messages they learned on their weekend course. Yeah. You know. And it's, it's one of those things that when, when you see the seeds of the goons then flourish as they did, and mm. I think the other thing listening to it again was realising, I think I had, oh God, it's hard to underrate it because people bang on about it, the influence on the, of this show on absolutely everything. Yeah, You hear it. And you think one of the things it teaches people is that you can sculpt with gas, you can make chaos into mm. beautiful comedy. And then, as I'm sure you found in your career, people kept telling you, no, you couldn't. <laughs> yes. And you get one to the point of the goons and go, that was fine. <laughs> uh, and then everyone keeps saying, well, you need the series Bible. We need to know exactly what this character wants. It's just jazz, man. It's just jazz. So. There's space for that in the world. I think there's a lot of, because there's an awful lot of writers, well, comedy writers who are, you know, a lot of us are inherently lazy people. <laughs> you turned <laughs> up today. Easily, Come on. I did turn up. I was late. <laughs> they get, they get despondent and hungry in the afternoons. Yep. So you want to you want to capitalise on when they have that bit of energy, and I I, yeah. I think there's definitely kinds of writer, and maybe the kind of writer that I really like that can get exhausted by that process and by years of scrutiny and years of rewriting. <laughs> there's a certain kind of writer where I, you're you're better off just letting them run at it and attack certain people. You just you're much better off just saying you've got to do this thing by then. Go, now. It's yeah. by this Sunday. Go, go, go. Just whatever, yeah. whatever it is, we'll just, we'll, we'll see what it is. If the, the result is funny. Lovely, the result is brilliant. Exactly. There'll be some lovely bit of magic. Blue Bottle, you and I are going to Africa. Goody, goody. Can, can we take sandwiches? Only for food. <laughs> I was going to say this, if because uh, it's two comedy writers in a room moaning. Uh, I was aware of it. But I think one of the things that's been lost to comedy, it's like when you lose a colour in the palette of right. paints you're allowed to use. I was really sad we lost the sketch show. Yes. Because that was a good same. way of, not only economically, but a good way of training people. And I, yeah. I like sketch. I like broken yeah, comedy. Same. I'll happily watch it on television yeah. if they ever put any on. <laughs> yeah. But they won't. The other thing I think we've lost, and it exists in tiny corners now, is the Goon Show format, which is mm. pantomime, which is it's not really happening. Mm -hmm. And it's what the young ones has in common with this. Yeah, you're in on the joke. I, I wink at you. These are actors playing these parts. It's what's in Carry On is that. It's what every Shakespearean comedy is. The guy who comes on as Falstaff, you know that's just the guy who plays Falstaff. Yeah. He's another thing now. The tyranny of drama structure has infected comedy to the point that everything has to be realistic. 
and I really miss things that aren't really happening. I massively miss that too. And don't get me wrong, there's some brilliant, brilliant, brilliant oh, things. I love I the comedy on television. Yeah, yeah. There's, and, and standards in some ways have just, you know, rocketed. But I still, I still yearn for that goon-style comedy where no one is necessarily trying to move you to tears at some point during the, <laughs> yeah. during the show. And it's just, it might be a torrent of ideas. It might just purely be to make you laugh. It might just be just that here's this person's, the output of this person's brain. You, yeah. like, you like it. Here it is in some form, be it audio, telly. Bam! Here we go. Just and there are to, corners where you can find it. I think I, so, esca- I want to escape sometimes myself. You know, yeah, that, I want to go to a mad world, and yeah. I think that there are things that I was just weird. I was looking and there's a, there's a big box of Milton Jones's stuff on the wall oh, here in the office. Yeah, there we and go. That's in the similar key where yeah. it's not really happening. Yeah, and it's all characters who come in. There's yeah. a, there's sort of rep companies of people. Sometimes John Finnemore will do those extended sketches at the end of his shows right. where you go, oh, it's just the guys. The yeah, guys yeah. are. And it's, it's that moment where it's the play what I wrote, where you go, it's Eric yeah. and Ernie, and they're dressed up as Napoleon and yeah. Josephine, and it's fine. Yeah. I know it's not really happening. Weirdly, I can follow the story. Yeah. I do care that one of them wins, but all they're doing is making me laugh. The only thing that matters in this 10 minutes or yeah. 20 minutes or half an hour in an episode of The Young Ones is, weirdly, there's, there's music in this, like there is in The Young Ones. It yeah. really reminded me of it, little musical interludes to yeah. clear your brain. We used there's to do this a lot. Music in it, yeah. We used to do this a lot, and the only thing... The only show on television, and this is going to sound like heresy, that currently does this is Mrs. Brown's Boys, uh-huh. where it winks at the audience and says, you know it's not really yeah. a woman. It's a man in a dress, it's and you can see the audience, and, and we're and just tricks. messing about. And it's a traditional radio stage gang show form that we're, we've done back to the probably the, the 1200s or something, yeah. and suddenly someone decided we wouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And you look at the goons, and you sort of go, why not? It's great, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it funny? Have you ever heard of a Hercules grit pipe thin? What's he used for? A name. A name called Hercules grit pipe thin. I know a bald headed old woman called Rattler Blocks. talking about listening to this and going, I want yeah. to be with these guys. Yeah. Was the warmth of that audience really helps it that yeah. they're not just making themselves laugh? Well, they even have something that I was, wouldn't have been, I don't think I would have been actively aware of at the time, but became more aware, I think probably only really aware when you got in touch and I was listening to some <laughs> quite recently. There's a thing, when these characters appear, sometimes mm. if you've got a, an Eccles, who usually appears without a musical sting, Bloodknock always appears with yeah. a musical sting, so you can't tell so much. But Eccles, sometimes he'll say a line, he'll get a round of applause. Yeah. As if uh, Tom Selleck has appeared on the, you know, the set of Friends or whatever yeah. it is. It's that, the American sitcom of... Or SNL, where, 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 yeah, where Tom Hanks walks into a sketch. Yeah, effectively, woo! They're, they're doing that yeah. in the 50s. And I, I, I never imagined that they would and do they, that. But they, they are also, doing that. They imagine, do do that. I mean, one of the things that's really fun with any radio theatre audience is that there's two shows going on. Yeah. There's a show you can hear, yeah. and there's what the show would feel like if you were in the room. Yeah. And no one's walked onto set because no. it's just Spike Milligan. <laughs> he just, was already there. He was already there. And him going, Arlo. Yeah. And it's, just, and it's like he's, he's a genuine wood before he's done his first joke. That's our echoes. Yeah, bottle. Huge, warm it's round of applause almost. Lovely, yeah. 
I was really surprised by it. it was, but it wasn't intrusive as well. It's yeah, not. The, it's just. A, it's a nice little. Whoa, it's warm. But it's. But then they. It's they not move cheap. On. It's not the sort of sustained. It doesn't get in the way. Yeah, it doesn't get in the way. You, it's you, British. They know British. when to stop. You know, there isn't some runner or intern holding no. up a sign saying applaud. What they do, they whoop, select. they feel awkward, and yeah. they stop. Yeah. <laughs> they realise that a trick we was played well, on we them. We mustn't be rude because we're they've got, they're doing the radio them. play. Ta, ta, thank you. Now, over Christmas, a great story broke. There being no newspapers, it missed the headlines. But here it is in all its monkey para tutu pin pin pee pee tiddly. I do too is the story of the Tun Tak Tok. I often wonder if the audience did get a little extra bit of something there. Yeah. Because obviously their interactions, you could hear them moving around the mic and that would yeah, be funny to watch. Faces, whatever they're doing, there's be some the old little bit yeah. of physical performance that's happening as well. But there's there's also really there are moments where, where Spike just obviously can't resist mucking about with someone else. Yeah. And he's you you've seen the script because you've got the script books and you've listened yeah. to the show a thousand times. But but there'll be some moment where he's still he's muttering at whoever is trying to do the next line. Yeah. You, yeah. And he's just trying to make Harry Seacombe corpse. He's yeah. he's trying to he's just mucking about with him, you know. But that's it. That's it. He's that's being the, naughty that's in the, the middle of, of the show. That's already silly and naughty. Yeah, he's he's trying to disrupt a thing that is impossible to disrupt. Yeah, he's written. And everyone knows that. He's spoiling his own show. He can't. <laughs> he can't stop it. So it must. I think it must have been. And you can, if you're listening to that as listening, that's the kind of thing you really. That's when you need to be under the duvet with a tape yeah. recorder because they're often very very quiet, and quite quick. There's this massive room full of roaring people. You said this is a massive thing. It's not a little cult hit. It's a massive popular hit. A roaring room that you can hear. There's still moments of intimacy yeah. between friends. Yeah. Friends who sort of met in battle in the North Africa campaign. Yeah. He's trying to make his friend laugh and, and, his, and his friend and enemy, Peter Sellers, <laughs> laugh. They're trying to make each other laugh. And that intimacy within the sound of a big room that they're also making laugh and then to a wider radio audience yeah. that they're making laugh, and then across time, a barrier of time, to make you laugh. It's an incredibly warm and generous thing, and they're not trying well, to make like you... feels like then, even though it is rapid and chaos, yeah. I think if you, if you get the sense that this comedian is trying to make his comedian who he treasures as a comedian, as a friend, laugh, then if he's trying that hard to make, yeah. then the material must be up to snuff, right? This, yeah. is their, this is what they find funny in their private moments, in their private... Times it's not like some arch, yeah, uh, sort of academic, dry sort of gag writer formal, who's thinking, not... well, this is the plebs will laugh at this because they won't un- realize that I've put a little surprise and a little switcheroo no here. And it's completely it's free just, of cynicism. Yeah, I just think this is funny. I yeah. think my friend who I love will find this funny. So this is his, his this. The remains of Mr. Spike Milligner, the well known typing error, has been reassembled. <laughs> And he makes this sound. <laughs> Policemen are numbered in case they get lost. He. <laughs> I was surprised that this hadn't, in terms of making me laugh, hadn't dated. Yeah. I thought I'd go back and go, oh, I used to like this. Yeah. But it's got the same joy. No, as, it genuinely as makes me laugh out loud. Yeah, I, I found myself laughing. I, obviously, today I drove down to Screwfix this morning to buy taps. Right. The thing I do I, occasionally. <laughs> yeah. I found, uh, swap a tap because I bought the wrong tap. Yeah, every Thursday. And I put uh, I put Ned's Atomic Dustbin on, not the band, <laughs> okay. the, the episode. Yeah. And as I drove along and I heard the sound of that audience and these guys doing their jokes and the rolling of the wheels, and yeah. I went, I'm in the car again. I'm a kid. Yeah. And I was so happy. Yeah. It took me back. It was really magical. And 
is the sound of people making themselves happy. It's sort of double escape. Yeah. You get the escape of, of the actual completely crazy <laughs> story, whatever yeah. it might be, and the crazy ideas and connections. But then it's the extra escape of being with this gang, you know, you're... Yeah. And a gang you've known since childhood. Like, like the best, yeah, best night out, you know, kind what of gang. Yeah, I mean that's that's it. That's the ultimate comfort, as in it's it's got resonances for you, takes you back to childhood. Yeah, but yeah, it's people who are making themselves happy. Yeah, so there's no cynicism. No, they're not they're not doing something they've learned by rote. It's been someone's just said quickly make yeah. each other laugh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe that's something that that is the real joy of the very very best comedy is yeah. is that, um, and maybe we've lost that with our relentless. The frog dissection and, and what you need to do is this and here's the point at which in act two we need to make someone cry and yeah. it needs to be about mental health and we do it. but just going oh yeah actually weirdly the goons is about mental health it's about a man having a nervous breakdown yeah. being forced to make a radio show yeah. but that's 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 back that's deep background you can find that later yeah. i mean it wasn't just a passing phase in your career it's something that you still very much adore in fact you look back on it with tremendous fondness and things like that the happiest time in my life yes professionally in my life yes yes it's incredible sound of people just making each other happy you can't do that by sort of studying it and you can't do it by doing anything formulaic it can only be done by someone desperately saying quick we need 26 of these as fast as possible <laughs> gather your two funniest mates and make each other laugh yeah and that's i suppose that's quite an inspirational thing to listen to i love it i just love it Brilliant. Thank you for bringing the goons. Thank you for talking to me about the goons. See, someone has to do it. Otherwise, you just do it on your own in a car. You're lonely. <laughs> Comfort Blanket was presented and produced by Joel Morris for the Cheese and Pickle family of podcasts. Find us on social media and don't forget to like and subscribe. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.